Hello and welcome to Astrology and Stuff, where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm your host and sacred clown, Sampriti. Thank you for being here. Oh, welcome back, everybody, astro nerds. Um, Thank you so much for hanging in there with me over the last few weeks uh, between sick kids and um, like unexpected, uh, unexpectedly needing to get a new car (laughs) and, um, and my voice just up and leaving due to pollenocalypse here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, it's not been the most consistent of the weekly podcast, uh, this month. So I appreciate your patience and, um, I'm just glad to be back and talking, right? Um, so let's jump back into where we left off on our zodiacal march through the signs. Um, last time we talked all about Libra and Scorpio and so this means we today we are going to be talking about who comes next Sagittarius and Capricorn. Very cool. So we are um, we are deep into the fall and winter uh, seasonally um, if you're up in the northern hemisphere, and I'm here for it. Um, so the transition from Scorpio to Sagittarius might be with the, maybe with the exception of from Pisces to Aries. I don't know. Maybe it's just water to fire. I don't know. I let's complete the thought first. Um, it's so dramatic. It's so, so dramatic. Um, but I do feel, uh, I feel, but also understand archety- archetypally uh, that the transition from Scorpio to Sagittarius is specifically dramatic in that with Scorpio, where are we? We are in the depths. We are in the deepest, deepest depths. We are in Mariana Trench, okay? And anything that comes to the surface, uh, much less prances and canters and runs around the surface and seeking to be as far away from, you know, or rather, um, uh, gain as much, uh, mileage as possible, i.e. Sagittarius. That's very, very dramatic. Um, and so thinking about, Scorpio, what was the purpose of being in the Mariana Trench depths of Scorpio? It's to experience that uh, God self for the very first time. It's to do what can only be done in the amniotic fluid of, uh, of, of discovering and coming into the truest, perhaps, form of our power and that involves that cyclical conversation of birth, death, rebirth, of mortality versus immortality, and how they're really just the same thing. Maybe not in within our, our dictionaries, but the more that we embody these experiences, these really intense experiences, and give ourselves over to the one constant, i.e. change and evolution, the more we can give ourselves over to that soul's desire to evolve, the more we come home to ourselves, the more we find reasons to be here, the more we find reasons to love unconditionally and accept unconditionally. Um, And how that perhaps is the truest form of power within this lifetime. So like, where do you go from there? Where do you even go from there? Well, you go into Sagittarius and um, I'm going to take the a brief moment in this particular section to discuss um, a subject that isn't um, like nobody can agree on, 
<laughs> astrologically, non-astrologically, um, what have you. And that is um, the 13th sign uh, that is sometimes uh, called uh, 13th sign of the Zodiac. Um, and if two astrologers can, any two astrologers cannot agree on the story of this, uh, of this sign and its, its place and its relevance within astrology, neither can we, uh, agree on the pronunciation. Um, it's sometimes, um, des- described as Ophiuchus, Ophiuchus, uh, Ophiuchus, uh, Ophiuchus, Ophiuchus. Uh, so <laughs> it's spelled O-P-I-U-C-H-U-S. Um, given my mood, my pronunciation changes too. So today, maybe it's going to be Ophiuchus. Um, Ophiuchus is the serpent bearer. And it's sometimes called the 13th or forgotten constellation or sign of the Zodiac. Um, and that's because the sun passes in front of uh, Ophiuchus from about November 30th to December 18th each year. Okay. So that's the calendar, uh, the calendar year. But let's talk uh, archetype. When I started uh, getting pretty hot and heavy with astrology out of the closet, um, i.e. when I started being open uh, as an astrologer and working, when, when I really could start moving the energy around with and through other folks and their charts, a lot of information just, it tends to, to go that way. A lot of information just becomes a lot more available. A lot of curiosity becomes a lot more available. And this is something that I've been really, really uh, low-key intre- interested in uh, for the last three years. Um, and that is that the, my take on this, my experience with it is that Ophiuchus is the, I picture it and forgive me, this isn't, this is very esoteric and it's very limited to my own, just the way I see things and the way that I communicate things. Um, it's like a rainbow bridge, from the deepest depths of Scorpio, where we wrestle with our mortality and come into our power, capital P power, and Sagittarius. Uh, And it's, I see this kind of, so if you think back to like Nordic mythology and, and many other mythologies, the rainbow is a symbol of, it's a structure really, um, like the, the Bifrost in, um, in Nordic mythology, um, is a gateway from, you know, Asgard to the other nine realms. And without sounding too corny, that's how this energy, not the constellation itself, the energy, the archetypal, i.e., um, the stencils that things get, that energy gets manifested into, you know, um, it feels that way to me that it's this huge, uh, gateway, this huge portal that we travel up and out of that Mariana trench, amniotic fluid depths of Scorpio out into the next thing. Okay. Into Sagittarius. Um, this, also hit me right between the eyes that this is the Kundalini. This is, um, it, you know, it, it's no, it's no coincidence that Ophiuchus is the serpent bearer. Okay, um, Kundalini awakening is something that everybody uh, has access to. It happens um, for for folks who gain access to this particular phenomenon of energy. It's, it happens differently from one person to the next. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of, um, you know, bad news out there or fake news out there about it, uh, in my opinion. So we're just, we're, we're all we're interested is here at astrology and stuff is let's keep it neutral. Let's keep it as neutral as possible. Let's keep it not very sensational. Um, because 
honestly, life is sensational enough. Like reality is sensational enough. Let's let's keep things pretty chill here. Um, kundalini is is a word that that again one uh, one wisdom modality and and uh, human. <laughs> The Vedics as uh, humanities majors that just popped into my head. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you got me on a on a wiggy day. Um, those humanities majors, uh, the Vedics <laughs> described um, described uh, this natural, very natural birthright level energy of pure human potential. Okay. Uh, comparatively, in the way that we live our lives right now, we could call it superhuman. And that's why people, when they talk about kundalini and kundalini awakening and even, yeah, kundalini yoga, um, it can get very sensational and it can get very um, like urban legendy very quickly because it seems like this thing out there. It's it's very othered. It's very like one in a million. And honestly, that's not it. That's giving it the wrong kind of power intentionally or unintentionally. Um, and it's giving it the wrong kind of power, kundalini energy. It's simply a natural energy that because the there's so much negativity and, and density in our reality right now, it can seem like superhero, right? Level energy. And honestly, it's just normal. It's just normal, awake and in love. And honestly, uh, it's the, the body's way of being, being with uh, the soul in a in a highly functional way because hello we're souls we we are stuff we are eternal stuff energy souls whatever you want to name it that that has been embodied in a mortal uh, limited you know form in order to do stuff in order to experience shit right um, so the nervous system's full functionality uh, is turned on, I would argue, and many people have studied and written incredible papers about and doing exciting studies on, et cetera. It's not just anecdotal. Um, This, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, I lost my words, rather. That this is the nervous system's turn on switch to be like fully functioning, not just, not just surviving, not in survival mode, not in reactive dual, you know, binary, yes or no, this or that bad or good black and white mode, but full spectrum. Okay. And this, in my opinion, this needs this, this uh, deserves rather this deserves its own archetype. This deserves its, especially now, especially now, because hello, we're talking about it. Hello, I have a podcast about astrology and I'm talking about Kundalini energy and like you are listening to it. So it's, this is a, this is a theme that people are engaging in. Okay. Um, and so this this has its own elemental stencil. It has its own kind of special uh, place in uh, in human development and in uh, material development. I would argue, and that is the place of awakening. It's the archetype of of awakening of of having a an experience so profound and so deep that you can't that you are forever changed and that you have now have an experience of resource, of abundance, of curiosity, of literal turn on that you just, you have to go do something with it. It informs rather, I should, this is a better way of saying it, that it informs the rest of your journey to a fundamental level. Okay. People call it Kundalini awakening. People call it an, a spiritual awakening. People call it coming to Jesus. People call it getting saved. People call it enlightenment. Uh, people call it a psychedelic experience. People call it um, laying on of hands and and uh, instantaneous healing. Um, 
for as many languages, as many cultures as are roaming around this planet, there is another way to describe what I'm, I'm describing. We're just today, I'm taking a few minutes to describe it from an astrological uh, perspective, and that is Ophiuchus. Okay, the serpent bearer. And I don't, honestly, I don't know why rainbows came into it or a rainbow bridge came into it. It just popped into my, my head that way and it makes sense to me. Um, and it might be because there's no, um, at this moment in time for my study, I mean, there, there may be an element ascribed to Ophiuchus. There may be a an energy like a, a a masculine or female uh feminine excuse me energy ascribed to it i'm not there yet i i don't experience it as such i experience it um as like the rainbow there are there are all the colors here this is full spectrum human um and this is something that isn't necessarily huge enough to be like its own zodiacal sign and take up its own uh, house in the zodiac. Rather, it straddles. It's a mechanism. It straddles two houses. It straddles two signs. It is a gateway from one sign, very special sign, to the next very special sign. And I honestly, like, I feel like obviously the stars have been there forever. Um, and the, the name of the constellation has been there for millennia. And the description of the constellation has been there for millennia. But I feel like um, it's one of those things where when people start, when you start thinking about getting a white Subaru, all you see are white Subarus out there. When you start thinking about, um, you know, planting yellow flowers in your yard, you can't help but see, but it's not just like the algorithm of Instagram or something like that. It's just, you're paying attention to it. That's, that's why I think Ophiuchus is being talked about more, being discussed more, being experienced more, being curious about more by, by, by folks like myself. It's just because we're, we are experiencing things and we want names for it. We want descriptors for it. We want stories about it. So those stories, those names, those descriptors, that vocabulary, it's going to find us. So there you go. That's literally all I have to say today about Ophiuchus. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll devote a whole uh, episode to this serpent bear uh, later on. Is that something you'd like? Let me know. Um, so what's on the other side of the Rainbow Bridge? Scorpio's on one side. What's on the other side? So we come out of Scorpio. We have this incredible confrontation with our own level of power, an awakening, and what do you want to do? You can't shut up about it. You, you lose friends and family. <laughs> you, you lose credibility. <laughs> you lose your dignity a little bit because your brain has been melted. Uh, you're completely inside out. Your world is not the same. And you have to find out everything there is to know about human wisdom and natural law and spiritual awakening. Okay, so that starts to describe Sagittarius. Sagittarius is the ninth sign of the zodiac, and this sign is ruled by Jupiter, and it rules the ninth house. This is a fire sign, and it's a mutable sign. So it is the last fire sign of the, of the zodiac. And as such, it completes the fire story elementally. Um, and interestingly, like, you know, how we go through semi-chronologically the seasons with the, with the qualities where cardinal energy begins the season, fixed energy is planted and it dwells in the season and then mutable uh, energy, it lets go of the season. Um, fire is our first element because it's the first element represented in the zodiac. It's our first element where we get to experience 
that all the way through. So Aries is cardinal fire. Um, Leo is fixed fire. And then Sagittarius as, you know, the first element in each, you know, cycle, it's going to be the first element where we get to get to that. We've gone through the other two and now we're at mutable. And mutable fire is very, very different from cardinal fire and fixed fire. Um, obviously, of course, but it almost feels like it's the most different. And I know when I get to the next mutable sign, so that's going to be, I guess that's going to be Pisces because we've already talked about two mutable signs. I'm probably going to say that about Pisces. I'm probably going to say that about water, but we're here today. Um, so the element of letting go for, uh, or the, the, uh, energy of letting go, i.e. Uh, adaptation, trans, uh, transmutation, um, transformation for the element of fire is very, it's all about maximizing potential. It's about uh, making ideas very, very big. It's about um, leaving no stone unturned because this is when we talk about the element of fire, we're talking about our life spark, our human spark. And when we're talking about that, excuse me, I need some tea. The very things that make us human, we're talking about leaving that behind, like finishing up the story elementally, mutable, mutable fire has a lot of work to do. And that means it's got to travel area, uh, excuse me, it's got to travel everywhere. Mutable fire is, it's like it's getting to, it's got to hit everything before it lets go. It's got to ask all of the questions it's got to formulate ideas. It's got to see all of the things. It's got to describe all of the, all matter. It's almost, and the more I'm yammering on about Sagittarius, like I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling Gemini, of course, but I'm feeling like all of the other signs too. It's like, and that makes sense, right? Because up until Sagittarius, we've only, that's the, only the ninth sign. We haven't had Capricorn. We haven't had Aquarius. We haven't had Pisces uh, yet. Okay. So uh, every sign is going to be a compilation in some ways of the previous sign. And the, the longer we get, you know, the longer we, we stay in the Zodiac and the more signs we get through, those, those signs are just going to get more complex, aren't they? It's like, you've got this big stew and the longer it's on the on the stove, the more you can't leave it alone. And you're going to throw this in it, and you're going to throw that in it, and you're going to. And then the heat itself is going to offer its own wisdom and transmute and alchemize the flavors of the ingredients that are already present. So that's what I feel like Sagittarius is in many many ways. It's a it's this um, kind of uh, experience of the the human spirit and the human and the human themselves of like, oh, there's, there's just, I have experienced so much. And in the last sign in Scorpio, I, I got a taste of what my true power is. So it literally lights a fire under us and we have to go out into the world and discover and ask all those questions and experience. We have come out of that amniotic fluid Mariana Trench. We've had the awakening and we realize that the most important thing to do is experience. Okay. So let's break down Sagittarius a little bit more and, um, and let's talk. I love experiencing specifically Sagittarius through the lens of its polarity relationship with Gemini. So we just came from, uh, came out, I say just like nearly a year and a half ago, the last nodal, uh, transit was, uh, the nodes transiting through North node, Gemini, South node, Sagittarius. And that was from May, June of, 
um, 2020 to January of 2022. Okay. And that was June. Um, and so we spent a lot of time with this polarity partnership. Okay. And you don't have to tell me a lot of shit went down during that time, didn't it? So it seemed very vibrant. It seemed very, it was very literal. (laughs) Um, This relationship between Gemini and Sagittarius, Gemini is an air sign. Gemini is, if you remember, is obsessed with information. That is how Gemini does. That is how Gemini iterates. It is a sponge for all the information. It collects, 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 collects. And then it processes, 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 processes mentally, not digesting it. Remember that happens in uh, Virgo. Um, and it just it just keeps and collects. And then in order to communicate, in order to, we could say, the relationship mechanism or the relationship media or medium of Gemini is communication. That's how um, that's how Gemini can be seen, like capital S seen, capital K known, uh, capital H heard, okay? Um, data. Gemini is data. Sagittarius is, you know, G- Gemini is the third sign of the zodiac. Sagittarius is up and over to in the top half of the of the zodiacal chart up in the ninth house, okay? Covered a lot of ground from Gemini. Sagittarius is like, okay, we've got the data. We've got information. But why? You know, why? What is, why is it important? What's the story here? What's the foundational, fundamental story that we're telling with all of this information? All of these words, what do they mean? And why do we care? Okay, uh, here's a, a, a peek into my adult brain. Whenever I'm describing this particular relationship between Gemini and Sagittarius, I am picturing and hearing the scene in The Departed where we've got uh, Queen Anne played by uh, my um, Short, uh, not not Martin Short, Martin. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm having a major brain brain fart. It doesn't matter. Um, and then we've got uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and then we've got Mark Wahlberg, and they're all discussing. Uh, they're discussing Leo's uh, character's role in as as a mole, basically, and a very dangerous one. You know, undercover, um, a dangerous position to be in, and. Um, I think Leonardo DiCaprio says, or, or Queen and uh, Martin's character, he says, you know, what good's that going to do? Qui bono? And uh, Mark Wahlberg, in his way, says, qui gives a shit. And, <laughs> and qui bono is Latin for who does it benefit? Who does it benefit? And Wahlberg, he goes, qui gives a shit. And I always hear that when I hear, when I think about Sag talking to Gemini, um, where Gemini is just rattling on, rattling on, information, information, ticker tape, ticker, all the coding is coming through. And Sag is like, What's the, wh- who, who does it benefit? Who gives a shit? You know, why do we care about all this information? But it's a sincere question. It is literally, what can we care about here? What can we gel how can we gel this information and create a story? Because I'm a fire sign and I require turn on. How can I be turned on with this life? How can I be turned on with this, this, this reality that the coding in Gemini is building? Okay? Um, so... All of Sagittarius's other characteristics and tendencies and behaviorisms and and the way they do stuff is based on this primary question, why, capital W-Y. So think about what you do 
when you are dissatisfied with the answers in front of you. What do you do? You go. You go out and you look for better answers. That can be literal or as literal as you want to make it or as meta, you know, uh, uh, you know, non-literal as you, as you want to make it. Um, that can be opening yourself up, uh, leaning into curiosity, just spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Um, so you, and the, or you can go right into the literal and that's why Sagittarius is called, you know, it's the traveler. That's where world travel and, higher academia and um, spiritual and uh, spiritual teaching and spiritual teachers are in the ninth house in 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 the sign of Sagittarius because these are all things that require us to think outside of the box and that require us to continue asking questions that require us to not continue asking questions just to gain information, but to continue asking questions in order to form a foundational perspective, literal, the foundation. So we're not quite at Capricorn yet, but if Capricorn is the structure, then Sagittarius is the foundation that holds the structure, that supports the structure, okay? Um, and so we, when we are in Sagittarius energy, um, it's incredibly, I, I, it's, an, it's very, very, it's a turn on, right? It's very um, uh, contagious because you've got that element of fire and then you've got, it's where fire forms wisdom. Uh, and honestly to me, uh, and this is probably because I have a ninth house Mercury, (laughs) uh, there's nothing sexier than wisdom. Like there is nothing more attractive than not just some, some, somebody out there knowing something but like having experience with it, it's embodied in themselves. And that is the maturation from like one end of the polarity to the other end of the polarity. Like we talked about with uh, Aries and Libra, and we talked about with uh, Taurus and Scorpio. And now we're talking about with Gemini and Sagittarius. There is such a, uh, um, there's just such a, a, a magnetism to Sagittarius. And now we can get into kind of the polarity of that. Okay. Yes, there's wisdom. Yes, this is the the wisdom seeker. This is also the place. So when we experience it in more, we could say wounded terms or more baggagey terms, Sagittarius versus Sagittarius with the wound, Sagittarius versus Sagittarius with baggage. Um, this is also where we're going to see the the foundational fundamental the fundamentals turn into fundamentalism. Every ism uh, rests is born out of Sagittarius. Every ism is born out of Sagittarius, and that's because Sagittarius tendencies unchecked will just continue to spiral into like everything has to, whatever information Sagittarius comes into contact with, it has to mean something bigger. It has to mean something bigger. It can't just, we can't just like take something and let it go. Interestingly, because it's a mutable sign, but it has to be, uh, it gets obsessed. The fire when it, when it burns unchecked, it gets obsessed with the superiority of the mind. And I'm saying that in quotes. Uh, it gets obsessed with superiority in general. Hierarchy is, is born out of Sagittarius. And then it gets condensed and, and it accretes in, uh, in, in, in um, excuse me, Capricorn. But it... Um, gosh, like 
you can picture these these wild spitting um men like uh Mussolini and Hitler uh just the the crazy fire in their eyes and in their voices of fundamentalism of them and funda- let's break fundamentalism down it's that that thing that especially you know I'm speaking as somebody with you know religious trauma in my childhood of not only is this thing true for me it's true for everybody and we could connect those two if this is true for me then it has to be true for everybody and that's where you know the the fire the fire signs we and I say we cuz I'm an Aries sun we are it's our job to to um identify with the self okay um we we laid that foundation in Aries uh cardinal fire um we can be very self we're supposed to be self-centered primarily but we can very easily become self-obsessed and Sagittarius's way of doing that is um their farts don't stink their shit doesn't stink um or even if it does stink it must be the right kind of stink because it's theirs, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, kind of that kind of backwards, like there's this, um, there's this uh, political, I'm going to call it political theology. And I, I found out about it through the movie Vice, Adam McKay's movie. And, and it was all about um, former vice president Dick Cheney. And there's this like set of provisos. I don't even know if they're technically provisos, but there's this part of the constitution that allow that under the, and under a very particular interpretation, which was utilized in the very early aughts under president Bush's uh, first term, that it's one of those wiggy backwards logic type of thing. Um, instead of it, so it's th- saying that everything that the president does is correct because he's the president. Therefore, everything that the president does must be correct. So it must be law, right? Because he's the president and the president can't you know, under this very particular interpretation, like near, like king level, like uh, Regis um, um, monarchy type of belief system and of, of interpreting the, con- the U.S. Constitution. It's like, well, you know, he can't do any wrong. And it's, it feels very Catholic to me, right? It feels very Vatican to me. Well, if they are, if they are, are, are fundamentally perfect, then whatever they decision whatever the decision they make, it must be correct, right? Um, that's what this, this is very Sagittarius. Like, it, well, if I'm doing, that's that kind of self-centered where, and that's the kind of self-centered uh, where we get into the, um, the, the spiritual leaders who are, you know, in one perspective, we could, we could say they're dropping like flies, um, for the last, but they're really, they're dropping like flies for the past 50 years, 60, 70 years. Um, in that you, you basically, you have a human person and they have amazing ideas that magnetize and gel large groups of people and the ego We've talked about the ego before, right? The ego can only take so much of that self-centeredness and smelling your own farts and all of that before it has to create an exit. It has to, in some level, and I'm talking like, hi, this is psychology. This is, this is higher self, human self kind of thing. Um, it, it has to debunk that 
myth that has become so large about the capital S self that it has it's it's it has to develop its own you know polarity, and so that's why we've okay not that not the whole story that's why, but for this point, guys, in my opinion, that's why we've got these you know spiritual teachers and these pastors and these uh presidents and um, all of these capital I important people with huge followings that are that are just abusers and 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 harmers and uh, murderers in so many cases and and just doing these incredibly um, like lowest of the low like the most negative the most negative energy the most density that you could ever imagine in the human condition and they're holding both of these things at the same time and that is so sagittarius it drives me crazy so you can see kind of where um sagittarius gives already if you're familiar with capricorn especially like Pluto and Capricorn, where we've been for the last 15 some odd years, um, that you can kind of see where the, the density and the negative, the, the wounded part of Sagittarius can really give way to the, the, the darker and the wounded parts of the more harmful, we can say the harmful parts of Capricorn. Okay. Cause then you take that idea. Uh, well, here we go. You take the idea of of eugenic of white supremacy and then you attach to it a science quote unquote eugenics and then that's sagittarius and then it gels and it gels and it gels and it gels and then it accretes into that 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 harder form that that structure capricornian structure of nazism of 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 um, you know what? Why don't we have, do we, can we say Nazism for America? Because, uh, I'm sorry guys, this is a rant. You probably didn't come here for this, but, but this is a very Sagittarius conversation. This is a very Sagittarius versus Capricornian conversation, an example of it. Um, in America, we, 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 uh, say Nazis and we think Germany but it's here. <laughs> and, and we do that for a lot of reasons. Um, and some innocent, a lot of them not innocent, and, and most of them subconscious. Um, but Nazism is here. Like if it, if it uh, marches like a duck and it, uh, you know, Sieg Heils like a duck, then it must be a duck, right? <laughs> so... Um, we can see how, back to my main point, we can see how like the idea of white suprem- white supremacy, you know, gelled with the science of eugenics and um, uh, what's that brain pan one um, back in the 1800s? I can't remember. Um, all of these like sciences that, that added to the fundamentalism of like, this is a fundamental truth. So, and then you create a political you create the the political machine on top of it, and there's, you know, Nazism. Okay, and then what can you do with that machine? Okay, you commit genocide, based on massive amounts of genocide, based on an idea of white supremacy that was wor- birthed way back in Sagittarius. Okay, and so th- this is that's all very negative. That's the to the negative side of things. Things also move. In, on a higher vibrational level, okay, in that way with those archetypes, um, you know, beginning with the idea of, okay, love, love is so much more than we say, than our language describes it as, and more importantly, than our, than the people understand it as and behave from, okay? Love is actually this, love is actually a force that, can create the most massive amount of change that you can imagine. That's the idea. And then we have it gel and we have spiritual teachers uh, continuing to specifically Christ. I'm sorry, you know, 
Yeshua I'm talking about, um, you know, putting more and more and more of their own power and then, and then amassing people who attach their power to that idea. And then it accretes into something very, in, in archetype function, very similar to, you know, the structure of, of like Nazism born out of white supremacy and negativity and, and pain and fear and we could say evil and all of that. Um, but in a, in a completely different vibration, okay, there is, there's not a church. Yeah, there, there are, you know, obviously the, the, the more Capricornian versions of this accretion of this idea of, of capital L love, love at all costs, love above, love above all else. Love is the law. Those are the literal words. <laughs> love is the law. Um, we have, you know, brick and mortar churches, groups and groups and groups of people. And that, and that's very polarizing right now. So it doesn't feel positive. It doesn't feel high vibrational. We are experiencing the crumbling of the facade that just, it needs to come down so that the truest structure of that capital L love is the law uh, belief system. And, uh, uh, you know, so that it can be support, um, so that the, the highest vibrational Capricornian archetype can, you know, help support this, uh, idea be supported and building different structures, we could say. Like for thousands of years, certain structures were created, like literal structures were created to support these teachings, okay? They're just changing right now, okay? Um, So Sagittarius masculine, okay? It's as a fire sign, it's masculine. And so it's this, as I've, you know, already described for the past 40 minutes, some odd minutes, uh, it's, it's go out and get it. It is penetrative. It is expansive. So that, that energy is going to be there. Jupiter is the, the planet of Sagittarius. And so we've talked about, we've talked about Jupiter some, um, we've talked more about Jupiter in the transit talks, uh, than we have in these, these, you know, weekly astrology and stuff episodes, but, uh, Sagittarius is the the first um, in the traditional and ancient um, astrologies. Uh, Jupiter is the first. Uh, excuse me. Sagittarius is the first sign that Jupiter uh, rules, and Pisces is the second. Uh, but in modern and evolutionary astrology, and once we came into a um, a conscious relationship with the outer planets, the outer, outer planets, uh, Pisces went to Neptune. And so now in, in these circles, and this is how I experience Jupiter, uh, only rules Sagittarius and Sagittarius in my experience is uniquely Jupiterian. Um, and so, you know, think to the, the planet of Jupiter, it's the largest, it's a gas giant. It's the most, I know a lot of Sagittarians who are full of hot air, right? I have to make that joke. And my son is one of them. My eight-year-old son is definitely one of them. He is a Sagittarius sun and rising and Mercury. And that boy, uh, talks himself awake and talks himself to sleep. (laughs) So, um, so Jupiter is this uh, this embodiment of natural law. And when I say natural law, it's capital N, capital L. Natural law meaning the math of the universe. Or if you're in the UK, the maths of the universe. Okay? It's, it is this embodiment of just, of of looking at nature, it is sacred geometry. It is asking the higher questions. It is curiosity for wisdom's sake. It is reveling in the absolute abundance, which is a natural law. It's a law of the universe and that is abundance. Okay. The abundance of nature, uh, 
and all of the wisdom that proceeds from dwelling in this space with a curious mind, with a, uh, a curious mind, body, a spirit, just as a curious human, aiming yourself towards curiosity. Okay. Um, the, the symbology, the symbolism, uh, that is attributed to Sagittarius is the centaur. So the centaur is both animal and man. And so very symbolically, uh, this meant that, uh, it's a, 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 a symbol in my experience, a symbol of integrity. It's being both, it's holding, um, n- not being in a wrong relationship with any part of ourselves. We are, it's being in our anim- animalistic selves and in the, the quote unquote, the higher mind. And obviously there's a very, hold on, I've got to take a sip of tea. There's a very patriarchal Greco-Roman way of doing that has, you know, way of doing this that has been attributed to all of this symbology for the past thousands of years. And that is animal bad, man good. Uh, and animal body down here, human mind up here. And that the mind at all costs must uh, be in hierarchy, in authority over the, the body. And that man at, quote unquote, humans, at all costs must be in authority over animals, over the animal, the wild world, okay? Um, and hello, that has pervaded all Western philosophy for the last thousands of years, hasn't it? And look where it's getting us. So I'm speaking to outside of that uh, pedagogy. Um, I'm speaking to the, I experience Sagittarius and I have a lot of teachers and, um, peers who, who, uh, experience it this way as well is that there is a, we are all things and true wisdom comes from knowing that and embodying that. And this centaur is, is it represents the embodiment of both uh, all of the aspects of ourselves. But that isn't it. This centaur is also an archer. And the depiction of that is this laser focus that, wi- that true wisdom requires. The laser focus of honing in on your mark of of relating within natural law and relating within uh, it's this relationship of the self to the world and that's why you know travel is such a great uh it's it's such a, a really pure characteristic of of um of Sagittarius and travelers and world travelers um but one thing that I do want to really speak to too about this symbology is they could have just gone with an archer. It's not just a person or even a, a centaur like standing still or a, a being, I should say, standing still and hitting the mark. Centaurs run. Centaurs are wild. The scent, the horse part of them are wild. And so this isn't just an archer standing still hitting, you know, with the amount of focus enough to hit a fixed point, this is a being in constant flux and movement who has enough focus to hit a fixed point. I'm picturing Merida uh, from Brave on Angus, her, her big, beautiful horse just plowing through the woods of Scotland. And she is at, they're at full speed and she is hitting every mark. That is specifically Sagittarian, the ability to hit the mark, be not, I wouldn't say in spite of movement, I would say because of movement. And so bringing it back to, you know, my personal experience with Sagittarius, my kid never, he never stops moving. He, he has, you know, multiple, um, 
multiple neurodiverse uh, diagnoses and labels and things like that. And one of them is ADHD. And the boy never stops moving because he never stops thinking and he never stops talking. And the stories that this kid comes up with and the, the ability to like listen to a story or listen to a commercial or, or listen, hear anything happening around him and him, his ability to hone in on the main point and extrapolate that and then communicate that and just kind of boil everything, all the chatter, boil it all down to the main point. And all while he's like doing five things at once, it's, that is pure Sagittarius. So, um, yes, we've hit the, we've hit Jupiter. We've hit as the planetary ruler of Sagittarius, we've hit, uh, Sagittarius's mutability and we've hit Sagittarius's masculinity and Sagittarius's fire. So I think we can pause there. And as you can see, we did not get to Capricorn yet because I spent a little bit more time on Ophiuchus um, than I had planned to. And honestly, there's just there's a there's a lot to say about Sagittarius. Uh, which is fitting because Sagittarius is one of the mouthiest uh, <laughs> uh, signs out there. Uh, you can't like trip over a stand-up comedian without them being like a Gemini or a Sagittarius. Most of all, Sagittarius—they're amazing com- comedians, particularly because of that that particular art form and what I just described a few minutes ago of the ability to take all of the chatter around them and distill it down into this one particular story or this one particular bit or this one particular joke. And, and it connects like it lands. Hello. Yes. Okay. Well, that is all for today. Um, thank you for, uh, joining me on this kind of all over the place (laughs) episode and I cannot wait to get into um, the next installment. And who knows, I might devote all of it to Capricorn. I might do, you know what? Today, this is my feeling. I think I want to do Capricorn Aquarius next week um, because that's a huge relationship that we have all been kind of, uh, feeling between those particular signs. Um, I think I'm going to do just that. So that worked out nicely next week. Uh, we are coming into, um, Capricorn and Aquarius. I should say next time because, uh, this is the last week before spring break and, um, I'm going to be out of town for a little bit of it and uh, otherwise very, very busy with kiddos at home it's, and projects and things like that. And uh, so I would plan on listening in, looking for another episode uh, in two weeks from now. So as always, friends, thank you for being here. So that's it for this episode of Astrology and Stuff. You can come back each Wednesday for new episodes, and you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page. Just search Astrology and Stuff Podcast. Bonus episodes are weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week and how that may be affecting you in your neck of the woods. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, and edited and mixed by me, Sampriti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here.